Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit paragonmarketinggroup.com to see how we can help. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Paul M. Newberger here, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. And what a blessing it is to have you join us today, where we unapologetically, unabashedly proclaim our love of Christ. And in this day and age, in this society, I don't think we can have enough people attempting to cover the world in Christ. And the fact that you're here, the fact that you're listening, the fact that you're engaging with our community tells me that you feel the same way. So will you do me a favor? Some people aren't as verbose as me. Some people aren't as maybe as bold or brash with taking Christ into the world, but we need to shine the light into dark places. So tell you what, if you enjoy this episode, if you enjoy the C-Suite for Christ podcast, don't only subscribe, don't only download current and previous episodes, would you share this on social media? Maybe email a friend, maybe tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm finding a lot of value in this podcast. Maybe you should listen to it as well. One email at a time, one social media post at a time, one whisper or shoulder tap at a time. We will cover the world in Christ and take back this world for Christ. And I appreciate your support there. So my wife and I are getting ready to uh, celebrate an anniversary. Uh, We were married in June, June 25th of 2011. So we're getting ready to celebrate our 11th anniversary. Boy, that is crazy to think. One, where does the time go? You like you snap your finger and it's gone. But I guess also number two, how the heck does she put up with me for over a decade? I can barely put up with myself by the time the day is over. How is she dealing with me for 11 years? It is unbelievable. But what is also unbelievable about our marriage and about our union is that it didn't all, it did almost didn't happen. You see, my wife, Tanya, was engaged at one point. She had a longtime boyfriend. I'm, I'm not going to mention names in this episode because we, we are still, um, we do still have relationships with that uh, family to some degree, but she was engaged at one point. This was many years before I entered the picture. And after he proposed to Tanya, she took that covenant, I suppose, very, very seriously. Yes, I want to marry you. Yes, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Yes, I want to give myself to you for the rest of my life. Regrettably, in the months that ensued following that engagement, 
he didn't necessarily take that covenant as seriously as my wife did. You see, there was a little bit of infidelity chasing other women. And although my wife wasn't overly pleased with that, I'm not going to call her my wife. That's going to be confusing. Tanya at the time wasn't overly pleased with that, obviously. She took that covenant seriously. They had a heart to heart. They had a conversation and he changed his ways in that regard. And he recommitted himself to being faithful to her. His lifestyle wasn't the greatest. And I think Tanya kind of saw some of these red flags. But again, I, I again, when I, I suppose when you love somebody, you're willing to forgive. You're willing to maybe even to your own detriment, overlook some of these red flags but this guy was a recreational drug user, and apparently he got in trouble for possessing a small amount of it and had a brief stint in jail. Again, Tanya's not overly happy with him. Tanya's not overly pleased, but I, I'm sorry, he said. I'm sorry. I've learned my ways. I'll be better as a result of this. And Tanya, again, taking her covenant very seriously, taking her commitment to him very seriously, was willing to be supportive. Okay, she said, I believe you, she said. I will be there to support you and make sure that we don't go down this path again, she said. And then came the big day, the day of the nuptials, the day of the wedding. And if you've ever been engaged, if you've ever been married, you know, the excitement around that day. Well, of course, there's some nervousness, you know, everybody's going to be there and you're going to be standing in front of people and there might be some cold feet. But at the end of the day, it is everybody's big day. It's the, the, the day that you spend your whole life praying for, dreaming about. And I'm not going to say it's more important for one sex than the other, but I, I just just from my experience and what I can possibly guess. I mean, again, you're the bride. Nobody, nobody, you know, the groom isn't necessarily walk down the aisle. Nobody plays a song. Here comes the groom. I mean, it's one of those things that when you're the bride, that is truly your special day. So I do believe that the wedding is a little bit more special for the bride than opposed to the groom. So obviously it's Tanya's big day. She's all set and ready to go. Only he wasn't. Just a little while before the marriage ceremony was scheduled to take place, they had a bit of a heart-to-heart, and he told her some things nobody ever wants to hear. I can't marry you, he said. We're just not compatible, he said. I don't want you to be stuck with me, he said. And, and rather than potentially offering to continue on in some way, maybe, you know, let's, let's just hit the pause button and try this again in six months. Instead, it was no more. I, I don't want you in my life. And the wedding that was supposed to be never came to fruition. Now, again, I suppose if you're listening to this story for the first time, you could be thinking, well, good riddance. My goodness. She put up with infidelity. He's chasing women. She put up with him and his recreational drug use, leading him to, to uh, do a small stint in jail. And then the day of the wedding, he dumps her. Good riddance. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. When you love somebody, when you make a covenant with somebody, 
And when you deep down just feel passion for somebody, a friendship for somebody, it's never easy to say no, regardless of the circumstance. It's never easy to say goodbye, regardless of the circumstance. And that led to some difficult situations for my wife after the fact. That caused some emotional damage. That caused some relational damage. That caused some trust damage. And can you blame her for having to go through some of the things that she did? Despite the fact that they made a covenant with each other, he kept turning his back on her. He kept turning his back on this covenant. Now, Tanya's not perfect, far from it. I know, I'm married to her. She's far from perfect. But she honored that covenant during this time when he kept turning his back time and time and time again. And you could be listening to this going, man, how patient was this woman? How patient was Tanya? Look at all the grace, the undeserved love that she showed him at that time. And you could be saying, man, she gave him three chances. I'd have been done after one. I'd have been done after two. Three chances? That's nuts. Well, how patient is God with you when you turn your back on the covenant that he made with you? What about me? in my relationship with God. You see, God made a covenant with all of us. And we constantly turn our back on him. Not only daily, sometimes hourly. I don't think it's necessarily something that we intend to do. I certainly don't think it's something that we mean to do, but we find ourselves going in a direction that is against God. We find ourselves sinning against God. We find ourselves chasing things of this world and putting God on the back burner. I know. I do that every single day. I was reading scripture. I belong to a, um, a Bible study group of top executives, and I'm reading through this. And I, just over the course of the past couple of weeks, you know, based on the chapter that we're on looking at the Old Testament Exodus. And I'm just thinking, my gosh, how many times did the Israelites turn their back on God? It's almost infuriating. Look, you're his chosen people. Look, he rescued you from Egypt. Look, he delivered you out of slavery. Look, he's helping you navigate 40 years in the wilderness. Look, he's he's sent prophets. He sent people. They're doing all of these miracles in front of you. You would not be where you are today without him. Yet you're turning your back. Yet you're worshiping false idols. Yet you're pursuing your fleshly lusts and desires. Yet your patience in the wilderness is running out. After all he's done, I'm sitting there just beside myself in frustration with respect to the Israelites. And then I look in the mirror. And I think, man, those Israelites ain't got nothing on me. I've watched inappropriate adult material on websites before. More times than I care to admit. I've withheld the truth from time to time to people that are close to me, maybe even lied to get my way. I've been self-centered. I've been selfish, egotistical. I've hurt people, sometimes intentionally. And yet I'm going to blame the Israelites when I almost daily, whether I mean to or not, turn my back on God, break a covenant with God.
And the reason this is important is because we serve a God that is just so incredibly patient. My wife's ex-fiance turns his back on her three times and she's hanging with him. And we're thinking, man, she's got the patience of a saint. How many times has God forgiven you? How many times has God forgiven me? How many times have we broken our covenant, yet he keeps running after us? Can we make a better effort to honor our covenant? Can we make a better effort to keep the covenant first? Can we make a better effort to meet God halfway and recognize what he's doing for us and at least hold our end of the bargain up a little bit more? I think it's a resounding yes. And the reason I think about this is because, again, there's a lot of talk about this in Scripture. If we look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It'll not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Our society is just turning their, it, its collective back on God left and right, whether it's purposefully or accidentally. And I've done that myself, too. And again, I'm, I'm the founder of C-Suite for Christ. I travel the world giving faith-based talks. I'm turning my back on God on a regular basis. I would say for me, in my defense, it's not so much turning my back on because of commission, like I'm purposely trying to do something to break my covenant with God, but just omission. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not anchored in the moment. It's not something that is driving my focus right now. I just get swept up in the moment and it's, ah, crap, I shouldn't have done that. This is why I like Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 in particular. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. If you're anything like me, you feel bad when you break your covenant with God. You feel bad when you don't do what he asked you to do. You feel bad when you turn your back on his teachings. You feel bad when you make that decision or that mistake for the umpteen thousandth time that goes in the other direction. You feel bad. You feel sick. You feel dirty. You feel unworthy. How do we prevent that from happening? I mean, we're all going to make mistakes, but this is what I love about Verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. For some of us, we struggle to do that. For some of us, that's not etched in stone to the degree that it should. You need to write his law in your mind. How do you do that? You spend time in scripture every day. And I would argue that the best time to do that is to start the day, armor up, get that foundation, get that good word in your heart. Now, all of a sudden, those emails don't seem so bad. The challenges you're going to face in life don't seem so big. And those temptations that are going to come your way aren't really going to grab onto your soul as tightly as they otherwise would if you've got his law 
on your minds? How often are you spending time in the word? How often are you spending time in your daily devotional? How often are you listening to your favorite pastor or religious figure? You need to make sure that that law is in your mind on an ongoing, regular basis, but also make sure that it's not just in your mind, but that it's also firmly in your heart. A relationship with God isn't just a logical exercise. I know scripture. I know the stories. I know the key players. It's not about knowledge. It's about love. It's about intimacy. It's about a special bond with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not just, I know of God. I know of his words. I know of scripture in the main players. It's I love God. I have an intimate relationship with God. My heart longs for God. When I take time out of my busy day to pray and have an intimate conversation with my heavenly father, I'm filled with joy. My heart overflows. My cup if my cup runneth over, I suppose. It's not just a mind issue. It's a heart issue. And if you can have God's covenant, his promise for you, etched in your mind, etched in your heart. You're not going to be a perfect person, but the times where you turn your back on God, the times where you don't live up to the covenant that he made for us, the times where we fail to hold up our end of the bargain become fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. We're going to feel better about ourselves. We're going to like the person that we see in the mirror. We're going to leave a more live and lead a more high quality life. And we're going to be able to weather just about any storm that comes our minds, comes our way because his law is in our minds and it's written on our hearts. This covenant that he made with us, we don't deserve it. It defies anything I can think of. It defies comprehension. The fact that we are so broken, busted, sinful people, yet he continues to forgive us. He continues to show us love. He continues to show us mercy. He continues to show us grace, and he continues to forgive us when we don't deserve it. Let's take this covenant very, very seriously. Let's not be like those Israelites whom he led out of Egypt, whose hand he held, whom he delivered to freedom, and that wasn't enough for them. If we're going to cover the world in Christ, we need to honor the commitment that God gave to us. We need to stand firm, and we need to have his words and his law always in our minds, always in our hearts, so that we can spread that love and spread that good word with others. Our guest coming up here momentarily is going to be Deb Glenn. Deb is a member of C-Suite for Christ. She is a prolific author, speaker, and the founder of Ashka Adventures. You're not going to want to miss that conversation right here after a short break. And welcome back, everybody. Blessing to have you here, as I stated earlier, on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. We're going to get to our uh, special guest here momentarily. But again, I just want to convey 
that our mission is just too gosh darn important to leave it to chance. Covering the world in Christ. That's a heavy lift. That's a big matzo ball. And we're not able to do that by ourselves. I cannot do that individually. Even our organization, this ministry, C-Suite for Christ, would have a hard time doing that with the people that we have. We need more. Basically, we need you. So if you want to join our ministry, if you want to attend a monthly gathering, if you want to check out what makes C-Suite for Christ so special, I would encourage you to go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com. One of the things that makes our organization special is its people, and we have one of my favorite members of C-Suite for Christ here. Her name is Deb Glenn. She wears a lot of hats. She is an author. She is a speaker, and she is the founder of Ashka Adventures. Deb Glenn, it's a blessing to have you on the program, my friend. Oh, it's such a blessing to be here. Thank you so much, Paul M. Newberger. Absolutely. Wonderful to have you. And our time is going to go by very, very quickly. So let's get after it. As you know, we are unpacking Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33. Deb, what does that verse mean to you specifically? Oh, boy. Okay. So Jeremiah 31 through 33 talks about the day when the Lord uh, he comes and he says that he's going to make a new covenant with his people. Um, when Jeremiah was in prison, the nation had failed to keep covenant with God and as a consequence was failing. Um, this is exactly the circumstance of today. We are failing. Uh, but God goes on to say in Jeremiah 33 that um, he will inscribe the laws upon their hearts, you know, our hearts. And so therein lies the hope. One of the things that you referenced is, is something that I'm very passionate about. You know, I'm, I'm very passionate about the state of society today. You know, how do we make sure that it's a Christ centric society? How do we make sure that we're restoring God to his rightful place as the center of society. And I think you would agree we are probably a long way away from that, regrettably. But one of the things that you referenced in your answer just a minute ago really kind of prompts me to ask this follow-up question. I mean, just like that covenant that God made with the ancestors that are referenced in that piece of scripture, do you believe that many people in society today either have broken or are breaking their covenant with God why or why not? Of course, they are. We are. I mean, we are constantly breaking our covenant with him. Every corner you look, we can see evidence of it, unfortunately. I mean, look at the condition of our world, the condition of our United States, wars and rumors of war, morals going by the wayside. I mean, politics alone, I mean, they've truly divided our house. And as we all know, a house divided cannot stand. I mean, we're a very vulnerable nation right now. But that's another thing that I love about Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, in that um, we learn that God's intention was to unify the two disconnected kingdoms. I mean, uh, imagine that. What a beautiful thought with respect to today's divided ideologies and 
separation of our peoples. It just makes that part of scripture so relevant um, and so hope-filled. One of the things that I've, I've talked about on this program, as well as the Covering the World in Christ radio show that I do, is, is I believe truly maybe I'm putting too much pressure on these entities. I don't think so, but I, I do believe that to some degree churches have let Christians down. Churches have let people of faith mm. down. I mean, they're, they're catering to society. They don't want to offend. They want to make sure that there's still a lot of butts in the pews, and sometimes they, they don't talk about the hard truths that they otherwise should. And I think one of the things that, that should be standard for churches is telling their parishioners, look, God made this covenant with us. The, the fact that we're talking about a covenant is appealing to me because this could be one of the first times that many Christians have heard the word covenant since Sunday school. So, so when they hear you, I would say rightfully, when they hear you, Deb, say, yeah, we're breaking covenants. Well, what covenant? When did I enter into a covenant? When did I sign off on a covenant? Covenant, what are you talking about? So, so can you bring us a little bit more clarity, Deb? When you say that, that, that certain people out there have broken, are breaking their covenant with God, how specifically do Christians today do that? Oh, gosh, that's an easy one. I hate to admit it, but I mean, ever since sin was introduced in the garden, we as sinners have always been tempted to take the path of least resistance. You know, those those things that the devil tempts us with. Um, and they are the paths of least resistance, really. I mean, it's much more challenging, I think, to live as a true Christian, you know, to pick up that cross, to follow him, the communion and walking with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, do we ever truly obey the Ten Commandments? Do we ever truly embrace the Decalogue as we declare ourselves Christians? I mean, much easier said than done, right? Um, we've all heard the phrase, there is no saint without a past, no sinner without a future. So, you know, once again, there's that hope that with each new day dawning, we can try to do better. Well, let's run with that a little bit. So with each day dawning, there is the hope that we can do better. Yeah, thank goodness for that hope. Thank goodness for that eraser that is God to some degree, that as long as we remain in him, he's going to wipe our slate clean. We get a do-over to some degree. So, so, so let's say somebody starting today or starting tomorrow, you know, whenever they, whenever they hear this, if, if that individual says, you know what, I want to ensure that I am adhering to this covenant that God made with me to the fullest extent possible. What are some things that they could be doing to ensure that that happens? Because what I don't want is I don't want people to, to hear your good words. I don't want people to hear your good advice and get overwhelmed. Oh, the, the pro the, the, this is too big. The problem is too massive. There's no hope for me. We know that that's not true. But what are some small things, some easy things? I'm going to roll up my sleeve and start doing a couple of things. What can somebody start doing now to make sure that they're adhering to that covenant? Absolutely. So let's tear it down right to the basics. By definition, a covenant is a chosen relationship. We are making an active choice, a partnership where, you know, these two 
factions, if you will, are making binding promises to one another to work together, to reach a common goal. So hence, um, if we make that decision, we are choosing to have a relationship with God. Oh, though, however, that believers would make it such a priority to grow in answering that question. Um, you know, what makes that so difficult? A relationship with God means that we're receiving communications from him about himself through his word, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. Um, we receive these communications and by the spirit, we're made alive in them. So again, you know, what would make this concept so difficult? Again, we take it down to the basics, God's promises. We're made to admire them, to delight in this covenant, to be happy, to be hopeful and encouraged by them. So period, we return to him through the word and by the spirit through the name of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, our prayers become acts of gratitude, resolutions to fight the fight of faith. And we're able to proclaim the righteous acts of obedience. It's really pretty simple. Make that relationship with Jesus Christ and you're on your way. I don't know about the rest of you, but it's getting a little hot in here. I'm, I'm getting fired up. I mean, geez, I'm, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm already on fire for Christ. But listening to Deb talk that way, boy, ratchet up the temperature. I got to check that thermostat here. But, but I mean, the, the three words that you just beautifully said, wow, that was my favorite answer that you gave thus far. But, but among the three words that you said, happy, hopeful, and encouraged. I would say when you look at society today, it's it's making us three things in the opposite direction. I don't think society is making us happy. I don't think a lot of us are very hopeful for the future. I don't think we turn on the news or Facebook or LinkedIn, and I don't think we're very encouraged by what we see. So, so to know that we have hope, that we can be happy, and that we can be encouraged in this covenant, it's very needed today, to say the least. And one of the um, one of the portions of this scripture that really jump out to me, and again, we, we've said it a few times, but we're unpacking Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, is what it says in verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Deb, because you're way smarter than me, what does that mean? So like when it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts to say that, you know, it's going to be written on our hearts. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, I guess I can start with a little negative and build to the positive. I kind of like that. Um, like sheep, we too often wander from our herd we stray away from where we're supposed to be. And we tend to think upon uh, God's law as those handed down to Moses. You know, but if we look at Romans 2.15, for instance, um, we can assess that the work of the law was written on their hearts. But yeah, I mean, it was, but it's their conscience that bears witness. So ours, like theirs, I think too often become conflicting thoughts that either 
our actions or excuse our actions. So, all right. So what does it mean to write God's law upon your heart? We need to respond to the call of transformation. You know, where God tugs at your heartstrings so much that you simply want to almost yell out, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to respond to you. Um, looking at Hebrews 10, 14, um, I mean, it's written because it's always written, isn't it? I mean, if you have questions, it's go to your Bible, it's there. We're called to make a transformation by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the true heart of a Christian. In our daily walk, we must seek a Christ-centered direction. Yeah, very well said. And I know that you're not just speaking about this. I mean, you're, you're in the field doing it. You're rolling up your sleeves. You, you, you're, you're, you're doing your part to be the change that you want to see in the world. And, and part of the way that that starts is with Ashka, your, your organization. For those of us that are not maybe overly familiar with that, what is Ashka Adventures? What's that all about? And why did you end up creating this awesome organization? Well, thanks for asking, Paul. Um, the books, the seven character education books that are based on scripture um, were inspired by the 60 Alaskan Husky Rescues uh, in my kennel. And um, they've taught me a lot. Um, the main character is Ashka. She's a descendant of the wolf and the wind and the wild. And um, it's her wonder that makes her heart sore and uh, she's happy and has an indomitable spirit. So uh, the dogs inspired me to write the seven character uh, education books essentially based on scripture. Um, I've written a VBS curriculum and um, a scriptural support book that goes along with those people that are Christians that want to delve deeper into the messages of the books. But I mean, essentially they're, um, written to inspire hope and deal with some of the challenging questions and circumstances of today. Um, so I talked to tens of thousands of kids throughout the United States um, about these stories and bring my sled and, and um, have a good time, bring a couple dogs. But when COVID hit and I could no longer go in, I was inspired by the Lord to write a full-length animated feature film. So that's the, the movie is about two diverse groups of sled dogs coming together in the spirit of love to accomplish great things. And that's exactly uh, the message from Jeremiah 31. Yeah, very powerful stuff. And as always happens, Deb Glenn, when you and I have a conversation, time goes very, <laughs> very quickly. So regrettably, we're just about at the end here. But what I don't want is I don't want you to share these words of wisdom. I don't want you to tell these individuals, our listeners today, about some of the things that you do without giving them the appropriate calls to action. So if you're an author, you know somebody maybe wants to, to get their hands on your materials. Maybe they want you to come speak to their organization. Maybe they're interested in learning more about this featured film that you wrote. Um, and willing to come and talk to you about the movie and the books. Uh, that are currently being redesigned by a literary agent and a publishing company. So everything is about change, which is a good thing. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. But the one thing that I would say is going to remain constant, the one thing that is always going to be there per the conversation that we've been having over the last 15 minutes is God's covenant with us. So for our ability to be aware of that covenant, honor that covenant, and live a life that is aligned with that covenant, I can't think of anything that is more important than that. Deb Glenn, the author, speaker, and founder of Ashka Adventures. Not only is it a blessing to have you as a member of C-Suite for Christ, it was certainly a blessing to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here, my friend. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Atonement means putting love first. We're there. (laughs) Well said, yes. So you're listening to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, and we'll be right back. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, I would be remiss if I didn't thank my good friend and C-Suite for Christ member, Deb Glenn. She is an author, speaker, and the founder of Ashka Adventures. Boy, if you want to hook up with anybody who was on fire for the Lord, look no further than Deb Glenn. I mean, based on her writings, based on her talks, based on her work with children, based on these media publications, these movies that she's getting out there, she is the living embodiment of covering the world in Christ. And if we can continue to amplify her efforts, one person at a time, one conversation at a time, we are going to ensure that God is on the move. My question for you is, how great would it be every week, every month, to be having intimate conversations with people like Deb Glenn. Everybody who's featured on the C-Suite for Christ podcast is a member of our organization. We have weekly fellowships. We have monthly gatherings. We have quarterly and annual events, and it's all these people that are there. How much could they fortify you? How much could they strengthen you? How much could you learn, and as it says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, from people like this? If anything like me, the answer is a ton. I love leading this organization because I get to talk to people like that on a regular basis. If you want to join our ministry, if you want to become an official member, go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com. Just real quick to kind of wrap up here. Again, what we're talking about is God's covenant with us and how easy it is for us to point fingers, how easy it is for us to look throughout history, especially in the Old Testament. I referenced earlier in the podcast, the Israelites. My goodness, you were led out of slavery. My goodness, you were freed from this brutal life under Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Sure, you're wandering 40 years in the wilderness, but you're given manna. You have the provisions. You're You've been given everything that you need. And how many times did those Israelites turn their back on God? How many times did they complain? How many times did they grow weary? How many times did they worship false idols? And as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm reading this going, what's wrong with these people? Shame on them. Haven't they been able to see what God has done for them? And then it dawned on me, just like it should be dawning on you. I'm the Israelites. You're the Israelites. Every day, either purposefully or accidentally, we're turning our backs on God, and we're defying this covenant that he made with us. That needs to stop. I'm not saying that we need to be perfect people. There is no such thing as a perfect person. But this cause, this mission is so much bigger than any one of us. We are covering the world in Christ. It's not enough for your household to believe in God. It's not enough 
for your family to believe in God. It's not enough for your community to believe in God. If we're going to push back against this secular society, if we're going to push back against cancel culture and political correctness, we need to shine the light of Christ in all these dark crevices. It's going to be very tough to shine the light of Christ if we are not honoring that covenant that he made with us, because that is the firm foundation. That is the bedrock. That is what everything is built upon. Are we doing our part? Are we holding up our end of the bargain? Are we living by the Ten Commandments? Are we living by what he has instructed us to do? Are we in fellowship with him and others? And are we living a life that when people see us, they're not so much seeing us, they're seeing Christ? And as it says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, especially verse 33, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. We also need to take proactive steps. We need to ensure that God's law is always on our minds. Spend time in scripture. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in study. Spend time listening to a pastor or a priest or a religious figure that you respect and admire and get God's word constantly in your brain, but more than that, make sure that it's also in your heart. You love to talk to God. You love to be in fellowship with God. You are building an intimate emotional relationship with him, and if God's law is always on your mind, and if God's law is always in your heart, do you think you're going to be able to cover the world in Christ? Do you think you're going to ensure that God is on the move? Are you going to live a high-quality life? Are you going to avoid the temptation that Satan constantly puts at our, at our fingertips? Yes, you will. Remember God's covenant. Hold up your end of the bargain. And not only are you going to live a really high-quality life, you will be a wonderful example for others so that they can do the same. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. Thank you for listening to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Again, follow us on social media. Check out our website, csuiteforchrist.com. Would be a blessing to get you involved. But again, thank you for uh, listening to us, and we hope to see you back here for the next episode of the podcast. God bless you. See you later. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. I won't forget you, no, no, no. I won't forget you. You're like... One of a kind and my eyes light up when I 